You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. All right. Well, good morning, church. Is this on? Is this on? Okay. How are we doing today? Doing well, hopefully. I have the distinct pleasure of introducing our speaker for today. It is not me. I am not preaching today. That's next week. Shed your tears now, but enjoy it later. Um, That being said, there is a gentleman who was with us in South Bay for a couple years, I believe. Yes. Um, He is leaving, him and his uh, wife and beautiful uh, children that I just saw that are ginormous and growing by the day. Uh, They are leaving to uh, Colorado for a ministry position out there. But before they do that, Dustin has graced his presence with Uh, for us this Sunday morning and is going to preach the Word of God. That being said, without further ado, I will not uh, uh, list any of the other credentials. I give you Dustin Peckman. Thanks, brother. Well, good morning, South Bay Church. It's good to be with you after two years. It was a two-year hiatus that none of us expected, Um, but it's great to be back together. I was thinking about the last time that I got to worship with you all. It was on March 8th, 2020. We were supposed to worship with you on March 15th, and that was going to be our last worship service, going away party, but COVID had other plans, and everything shut down. So here we are two years later, and as Rhett said, we are about to move to Colorado, So we're going to spend today with you guys. Next week, we're going to be in Long Beach with Catherine's parents, and then we hit the road to Colorado. We're going to be leading the young professionals in the Denver church, so we're very excited about that. And uh, before I get into my sermon, I wanted to just share just some of the memories that we have with you. They're going to be very general, because it would take hours and hours to share the memories, but even be, being back in here in the SDA building, man, this got a major up uh, facelift. Yes. Holy cow! I mean, I've seen it online, but being in person, like SDA stepped up their game big time. Um, but so many teen ministry events and youth ministry nights in this building, and even driving through South Bay, just the different devos that we had at parks and meeting in each other's homes, having meals together, going to the beach together. Um, you know, I'm going to, oh, here, I can show you a slide right now. There it is. Oh, there we go. Now you know the sermon, my sermon title. Um, this was Aiden's baptism, but this, yeah, come on, Aiden. But really, this could be any baptism in South Bay. This is about what it looks like. At Avenue C. That is the right avenue, right? I kind of lost my bearings in South Bay a little bit. Um, But so many memories at this spot with the circle up on the beach and just celebrating new life in Christ here in South Bay with you guys. So many talks, so many one-on-one talks that we had. Doing our North and South worship centers for a year and then, you know, COVID shut that down. But so many memories with all of you. And we are so grateful for the family that you are, for the love that you have shown us, both when we were here, but even in the last couple of years. And uh, it's just a joy to be together. Even as, even as I think about this season, graduation season, 
One of our, one of our uh, annual traditions with the teens was washing the seniors' feet, the graduating seniors' feet. And it was, it was fun. It was awkward. There were some people who were like, you're not going to touch my feet, kind of like Peter. Um, but, but just such good memories here with you all. The title of the lesson today is Heaven on Earth. Somewhere. There we go. Heaven on Earth. And a question I have for you is, what if heaven is not just a distant reality we're all waiting for, but is also a reality we can experience now? As you ponder that question, we're going to talk today about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, those are synonymous phrases in the Bible. So when you see kingdom of God, you could just change out God with heaven. Kingdom of heaven. And as you break down this phrase and you think about the different words like kingdom, hopefully a royalty comes to mind. Kings and queens, reign and authority. It's a place or a realm that is ruled by someone or something. Kingdom. We are far removed from kingdom mentality because that's not... The, the country that we live in. But that's, th- these are the, the words and the thoughts that ought to come to mind when we read the word kingdom. And heaven, heaven is God's place. That's where God resides and that's where he rules. These are my own little words that I threw in there, but it's a place of, of peace and delight in my mind. Kingdom of heaven. And as you think about this word kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, for me, uh, I've had some misunderstandings of the kingdom over the years, the kingdom of God. As I grew up and and even into my college years, I, I just equated kingdom of God with the church. But the church is not the kingdom. The king, the, the church is made up of believers, followers of Jesus who bow on their knees before King Jesus but that is not the exclusive reign of God. Hopefully, as, as, as bowed believers before King Jesus, we are perpetuating and making known God's kingdom, but God's reign is far beyond the walls and the people of the church. And so when you think about Jesus' ministry, and you think of some of the significant teachings, what's up, Andy? It's good to see you. <laughs> you, just, you just caught my attention. Yes, yeah, squirrel. As you think about as you think about Jesus' teaching and some of his most significant, like quotable, like that was Jesus' foundational message, you might think of love your enemies. Love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe the golden rule, do to others as you would want them to do to you. But the foundation of Jesus' ministry, the thing he talked about more than anything else, is the kingdom of God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. This is the beginning of his ministry. He was led into the desert to be tempted, and this is right after that when he begins his ministry. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Has come near. The kingdom of heaven has arrived. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Mark says, Mark Uh, records it this way, the time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. 
repent and believe the good news. This was not just something that Jesus talked about at the beginning of his ministry and throughout his ministry. He continued to talk about the kingdom even after his resurrection. Acts chapter 1 verse 3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. He continues to talk about the kingdom of God. Again, the foundation of his ministry and his message. And then in Matthew chapter 28, oh, it's already on the screen. Matthew 28 verse 18. We, many of us know this verse very well. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, actually I'm going to stop right there. All, it's like ingrained in me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What does that mean? God's place is not just heaven. God's place is earth as well. The Jesus... The Christ is king of heaven and earth. And so in the life of Christ, heaven and earth have met. And his rule reigns in both. And so you think Jesus is king, not just of heaven, but also of earth. And the two have come together. But if Jesus is king and God's kingdom has arrived on earth, why does evil still seem to dominate the world? How do you reconcile the notion that the kingdom of heaven has arrived? Yes, let's go. And there are mass shootings happening simultaneously. How do you reconcile that? This has been a question humans have wrestled with and tried to make sense of for thousands of years. We read in Psalm 23, or Psalm 93. Psalm 23 is an awesome, uh, awesome psalm about God is our shepherd. Uh, The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. I mean, this kind of language is praising and honoring the king, the one who rules, the one who who controls and dominates And yet in the very next psalm, we find a very different reality. Psalm 94. The Lord is a God who avenges. O God who avenges, shine forth. Rise up, judge the earth. Pay back to the proud what they deserve. How long, Lord, will the wicked, how long will the wicked be jubilant? They pour out arrogant words. All the evildoers are full of boasting. They crush your people, Lord. They oppress your inheritance. They slay the widow and the foreigner. They murder the fatherless. They say, the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob takes no notice. 
two very different realities. Even Jesus describes this reality of conflicting kingdoms in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted up and formed heads, then the the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Jesus describes conflicting kingdoms growing up together, happening simultaneously. And he explains this parable towards the end of chapter 13. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seeds stand for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So Jesus' main teaching, what what Mark describes as the good news, is repent. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven has arrived. So where does that leave us? With the kingdom of heaven being ushered in and currently present among other kingdoms, kingdoms of evil. Where does that leave us? It leaves us in the reality that we are living in the already but not yet. We're living in the midst of God's kingdom, but it's not yet fully realized. Evil is still reigning to some degree or another. And so we have a decision to make. What do we do? What do we do as we live in the already, but not yet? We have a a choice to live as followers of King Jesus and perpetuate His life, His message, and His love, or we submit to lesser kingdoms, temporary, fake kingdoms, and perpetuate selfishness, hate, what those kingdoms call love, but it's truly just selfishness, human wisdom. We have a decision. And for some, it's an easy decision to follow Jesus. But for others, it might take a lifetime of wrestling and debating, and doubting until they finally surrender their life 
to King Jesus. And still others will never choose to trust King Jesus. I want to read a story of a crowd that seemed to wrestle with this decision if they were really going to fully trust Jesus and follow him. John chapter 6, participating in the kingdom of heaven. John chapter 6, verse 25. This is after Jesus has fed 5,000, performs this miracle, and he stays there as, as all of those people are kind of departing and leaving. He stays with them and he sends his disciples across the lake in their boats. And there's not a boat left for Jesus to take. So when he himself departs, he walks on the water across the lake to meet the disciples. So this is where we pick up in verse 25. The people who had been fed, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I in the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. They were saying, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I come down out of heaven? So these people, they're wrestling. They saw these miracles take place. The feeding of, you know, whether it was multiplication or just, you know, he he knew how to distribute. Whatever happened, they saw a miracle. And then they know that Jesus didn't go on a boat, but he somehow got across the sea. And so I, I just imagine their minds are filled with curiosity of like, what is happening here? Who is this guy? And yet that wasn't enough because they still wanted to see more. Show us more so that we can believe. And so there was a wrestling that took place. We see that in verse 30. 
So they said, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? They wanted to see more in order to believe. And Jesus' response to them is this. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. What Jesus says is you don't need more signs. You don't need to see miracles. You need to see me. You need to look at me. Behold me, then you will believe. And so I give you some practicals. As we are confronted with varying kingdoms, various kingdoms every day, God is up to something good all the time. But do we see it? Do we have eyes that see? Do we have ears that hear? Do we experience God's kingdom or are we too distracted with lesser kingdoms? Are we representatives of Jesus as king or are we repping ourselves as king or queen? Do we hear God or are we too distracted with other voices in our life? Some helpful practicals that come straight from the mouth of Jesus. Behold the king. Behold the king. The word behold, to see, to look at, to consider. Behold the king. Be curious. Ask yourself the question, especially if you're in the midst of a situation or a week that just seems so difficult and so challenging. Ask yourself the question, what is God up to? How is God surprising you in that moment? What is he trying to get you to unlearn and become more like a child, just a sponge of new possibilities? Behold the king. Beyond the the miracles and the prayers that you want answered, look at King Jesus. Behold the king. You know, I was, uh, at the beginning of this week, Actually, last Sunday, two of our kids were sick, and they had some sort of a stomach bug, and so Catherine was not able to go to our final worship service in Santa Clarita because of the sickness, which was such a bummer. And, and so I went, and I come back home, and our kids are sick, and, and I, I, I was okay at that point, but I was starting to wrestle with God, like, come on, this is just not what I expected our final week in Santa Clarita to be like, our final Sunday. And then that that night, um, Carrie was going to bed, and and I was praying for her. She was not yet sick, but she was starting to feel something. And I I just prayed that she wouldn't get sick, that there would be no throwing up and all that stuff. There's the details. Um, (laughs) and, And so I prayed for that. And then like 10 minutes later, I walked by her room, her room and she's like, Daddy, Daddy. I was like, yeah, what's up? Can you pray for me again? Pray that I don't get sick. I was like, sure, I'll pray for you again. And I prayed that she wouldn't throw up and that she would be okay. She'd wake up healthy, be able to go to school. And two hours later, we're woken up by two kids that are vomiting, vomiting like side by side. And it, was, and it was Carrie's first time. And by that point, I'm like, it was just a waste of breath. Why did I even pray those prayers? And, and then after she gets all cleaned up, she comes over to me. She's like, Daddy, can you pray that I don't throw up anymore? And my first thought was, 
What's the point? God's not going to answer the prayer anyway. I thought, if, if it goes anything like what we've seen Levi go through today, it's not just going to be one time. It's going to be nine more times. There's, the more, there's more details. <laughs> and so in that, of course I didn't say that to my daughter. But my thought was, God's not going to answer this prayer. He already didn't answer our two prayers from two hours ago. So what's the point? But of course, I'm not going to say that to her. So I prayed that God, <laughs> that she wouldn't throw up anymore. And then as I was going to bed, I was just, I was ticked off at God. And I was like, I need to behold God in the midst of today. And I don't want to because I'm just mad and I want to hold on to it and I want to go to bed and just like, and just like sit in this unfairness that I'm feeling. But I was like, I need to behold God. And where I beheld God in the midst of that situation was my daughter's faith. That prayer works. And that God can do something that is beyond our human understanding. I was, only, I was only looking at what Levi had gone through, and I was projecting it out, well, that's what's going to happen. And so I, I was like, God, help me with my unbelief. And I prayed, God, please honor Carrie's faith. Don't honor my unbelief and my faith, because I did not have it. But honor Carrie's prayer and her faith. She threw up one time, and that's it. And so beholding, I, I had to sit there and behold the king because I did not want to, and I, and I missed him that day in so many ways, but taking the time to be curious and behold the king. And of course, that leads to believing in the king. When you behold the king and you take the moment or the moments to consider, how have I seen God today? Where has he been at work in my life around me? you will believe in him more. You will have a greater confidence, a greater trust, a greater faith in King Jesus. Yeah. I did. When I walked away from that situation the next morning, she didn't wake up at all. It was just one time. And I was like, God, I'm so sorry. My faith was so tiny. And I had a greater confidence in God. I thought of the verse... Faith is small as a mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, move, and it will move. You can say, please, only one throw up, and it's only one throw up. <laughs> and as you behold the king and you believe in the king, you will become like the king. We're not perfect, but we're becoming like him more and more. And I had this thought a few weeks ago. I think I was driving somewhere. I forget the situation, but... I think there was some potential frustration or like challenges ahead. And I just thought, what if this moment was actually taking place in heaven? Like whatever your idea of what heaven is going to be like, but what if it was taking place in heaven? How would you respond to that person or that situation if you were kicking it in heaven? I bet that your response would not be one of self-protection or self-promotion or trying to defend yourself. I bet it would be, oh, it's not a care in the world. Come here. I love you. Oh, don't worry about it. We're good. Like, I, I bet our response would be so much more different if we had a heavenly perspective of each moment. 
As we live as citizens of heaven and residents of earth, we get to become like King Jesus, the King of heaven and earth. And in doing so, we push back and expose the lies of other kingdoms as we reveal Jesus as King, as the true King. And so when people ask, why do you love your enemies? Why do you give money to people you've never met and places you've never been before? Special missions plug. Why do you forgive that person rather than just writing them off? Why do you wake up early on Sunday mornings and come help set up the worship service when you're not paid to do it? Why do you do that for free? Why do you invite your neighbors into your homes, neighbors that maybe you've never met before, to have a meal with them? That's weird. Why do you stay faithful to your spouse? And you respond, because that's what my king does. In fact, that's what my king has done for me. My king has loved me when I was an enemy. My king has given to me over and over and over again and met my needs along the way. My king forgave me when I was at rock bottom, when I felt like I was a person who was unforgivable. My king forgave me. My king meets me where I'm at, whether it's early in the morning, late at night, no matter what, my king meets me where I'm at all the time. My king invites me into his presence and dines with me. My king is faithful to me even when I've been unfaithful to him. That is why I do what I do. The kingdom of heaven has arrived. Jesus Christ reigns as king. He reigns with truth and grace, but in order to see his kingdom in order to experience his kingdom and participate with him in his kingdom, we must practice his words. Behold the king. Believe in the king. Become like the king. As we look back, Catherine and I, at our time in South Bay and in our relationships with each of you, both then and even now, we have absolutely experienced heaven on earth. Has it all been heaven? Absolutely not. It will not be all heaven this side of eternity. But how sweet it has been to get to experience heavenly moments with each of you. And how sweet it is that we get to perpetuate those heavenly moments for each other and for others. And as we prepare to participate in communion, we behold the King, Christ, the Anointed One. And in the Gospels, we read that the soldiers put a crown on Jesus. They put a robe on Jesus. They put him on display by nailing him to the cross. They put a sign on his cross that said, King of the Jews. They did all of this to mock him, 
to shame him. But little did they know that they were anointing him as king of heaven and earth. They thought they were silencing a disruptive, blasphemous rabbi. Instead, they were enthroning our king. The cross is where we find our king. He is who we behold. He is who we believe in. And we desperately want to become like him. But it's our choice. We must decide who or what we will bow to as king of our lives. I want to read some lyrics and then give you a couple questions to meditate on as we take communion. Some lyrics from one of my new favorite worship songs by a guy named John Lucas. The song is titled Time. I'm going to read some of the lyrics from the end of the song. Crown him in your mourning. Crown him in your laughter. Crown him when it all turns dark. Crown him when you bury. Crown him when you marry. Crown him when your faith finds a spark. Crown him for he's faithful. Crown him for he's worthy. Crown him for he is good. Crown him for his promises cut through the blindness of children that have barely understood the beauty that has come, the beauty yet to come, the beauty that is yours and that is mine, that death produces life, that we are made alive by the king who paints beauty with time. And I don't know the end or tomorrow's story, but I have found the one who gives me rest. And I will make my bed in his promises, for he holds true when nothing's left. As we take the bread, which represents Jesus' body, and the juice that represents his blood, I'd like us to meditate on these two questions. How did you perpetuate lesser kingdoms this week? And how has God surprised you with heaven on earth this week? As I reflect back on this week, I perpetuated lesser kingdoms. I perpetuated selfishness and human understanding as I tried to navigate the frustration of sick kids and what I thought our last week would be, and I perpetuated lesser kingdoms, and I did not perpetuate God as king. And I needed to wrestle with that. And in wrestling with that, I discovered God's surprises of the heavenly moments throughout the week. So let's meditate on these questions. Let's pray right now. God, we thank you, we praise you, King of the universe, King of heaven and earth. As we take the bread and the juice right now, let us behold you. As we look at you and consider you, I pray that it would spur on our belief and our confidence and our trust in you. And in doing so, please make us more like you. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.